You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Joseph Warren. Joseph is the host of The Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. He's also best known as a family relationship coach and the creator of Fix Any Relationship in Just 30 Days, a proven process to heal broken relationships with your family, yourself, and God. You are going to love what Joseph has to say about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to leaders from all over the world about what it took them to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am very excited to introduce to you our guest, Joseph Warren. And Joseph is the host of Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. His show has been rated under the top 100 Christian podcasts in the world since 2019. His other show, Your First 100,000K, is a top 200 podcast for entrepreneurship. And I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this. Joseph Warren started his first multi-dollar business at age 19 and wasted away his 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. Boy, does that sound familiar. He made millions, but then he lost it all and considered taking his own life. Today, having triumphed through multiple failed businesses and broken relationships, Joseph Warren is best known as the family relationship coach and the creator of Fix Any Relationship in 30 Days a proven process to heal broken relationships with your family, yourself, and God. He married his dream girl, Fallon, just in 2019, and his dad to one lovely daughter, Alora Love. Joseph, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Dr. Tracy, it is a pleasure to be here. I like you already. We're going to have a great time, and let's talk all things leadership. I love it. And I want to talk about that beautiful name of your daughter, Alora Love. And for our listeners, I want to tell you how I like uh, explaining how this wonderful individual came into my sphere. And Mark Victor Hansen, you know, he was dear friends with my father. And I interviewed him earlier, one of our, our most viewed shows, of course. Mark's energy is just incredible. And he introduced me to Joseph Warren. So that's what tremendous people do. They connect you with other tremendous people. And Joseph just recently got married. And tell me about your daughter, Alora Love. Alora Love is the light in my eye. Alora, the name Alora means the Lord is my light. And Alora does exactly that. Ever since she was born over six months ago, she's a pandemic baby. So, two weeks into pandemic, she was born. So, I experienced with my wife a totally different aspect of a pandemic. We had joy and peace and love all around us and family. And while the world had worry and all that other tension, and Alora, just wherever we go, she's so peaceful, joyful, and big smile, and just lights up other people's faces. And I know in church at one time, the uh, pastor mentioned something about the pandemic or whatever, and I just held up my daughter. Um, and we were in the front row, and I held her up. And when I hold her up, her face opens, and she lights up she li- like she's flying. She loves it. And everyone behind me in the congregation could see this little baby being held up with just this radiant joy coming out of her, I turned around and, and literally hundreds of people had f- smiles on their faces. Yeah. Like she did that. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. Exactly what my baby girl did to be, a, to be Christ's light in the world. 
Yeah. And we're really going to unpack that because my father wrote this speech called The Price of Leadership many years ago, and he was so passionate about leadership and he loved Christ, which is why he was able to just be so triumphant and resilient in his approach. But he also said, Tracy, there is a price you're going to have to pay to be a leader. And he went through four different things. And I would love to unpack that with you because we do have the God seed in us. So we have the help of the creator to get us through this, but we're also humans in this mortal coil. And it's, we go through, we saw that like Christ did, the the God side, but we have the physical side too. And I want to unpack, what does loneliness mean for you as a leader? And you've done a lot of different things. You've had really high highs, really low lows, but can you unpack for us what loneliness means for you? Maybe share a season of loneliness in your time and how you would exhort leaders out there listening if they're in the wilderness right now. I think you had, uh, that's like a, a, a question bundle. Uh, three, three potent questions in there. I'll do the best I can. Drill down wherever you'd like me to, okay? Thank you. Um, the first thing I would say regarding loneliness, I think there's two types of loneliness. There's intentional loneliness, those times in our life where we want to be single. We want to enjoy our time getting to know ourselves, finding ourselves, finding our purpose. And then there's those unintentional lonely times. That's the second type, unintentional loneliness. And those are those times in our life where we crave companionship, but for whatever reason, we just can't seem to bring those people in our life. And somehow it's almost like we repel uh, the very thing we're looking for, that love from others and from God. So I think those are the two types of loneliness. So I've had both. I've had Mm -hmm. both in my life, as I'm sure many of our listeners have. One thing I'd like to say about the four topics, starting with loneliness, is that you mentioned being Christians. I think Christian versus non-Christian, just two separate places on the same spiritual journey. I'm not going to say one's better or worse than the other. I've been in both. I've, I've lived in Christianity and I've lived as an atheist. I've lived as an agnostic as well. So I could speak from both sides of that desk. Mm-hmm. And I would say whether I had God in my life or didn't, I still had human struggles. We're talking about four of them today. Mm -hmm. The difference is, as a Christian, I had a place to go with my struggles. When I was a non-Christian, I had nowhere to go. I carried the weight of the world and my own destiny on my own shoulders, and it's exhausting. That's why I ended up ready to take my life. That's why I relied on self rather than on God. That is the benefit to being Christian or to really spending time with God is that you have a place to take the burdens of life. So I wanted to say that loneliness itself. To those out there that are listening right now and find yourself in a season of loneliness, maybe it's intentional loneliness. (laughs) Listen, I coach a lot of men, very successful individuals in the business world, but they go home very miserable and very lonely. And I have one client I'll speak of. Um, She's a successful female business owner. And her husband right now uh, is battling alcohol addiction. And she's trying to support him as best she can. At the same time, she's trying to put up that boundary where that toxicness doesn't enter you know, family life and her kids. Mm-hmm. And he comes home every day from work and he goes out in the garage and he works on the garage to isolate himself from his own family. As fast as he can, he gets out of the house and into the garage to the mm-hmm. point where he came to her 
uh, several weeks back and he said, I think I'm going to build an apartment in the garage and I'm going to live there. Okay. Okay. So just to go to show, there's loneliness there. He's creating for himself, yet he doesn't actually want it. The very thing he wants, love, peace, acceptance that we all want as humans is right inside his home waiting for him. And he doesn't know how to access it. He actually is driving himself further away. So there are listeners right now. There's one listener right now listening to the show, watching the show. That is exactly where that man is. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's porn addiction. Maybe it's whatever it is. The key to loneliness is to surrender it. Don't fight it. Fighting it doesn't work. Right. All my clients say, oh, I got to work on that. I got to work on this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on that. How's it going? Yeah. You've been working on it for how many years? Oh, uh, seven. That's not working. So what is the solution? The solution is you surrender it to God, Mm. the only one Mm. who is strong enough to take that burden from you. you But until you surrender it with your free will, God will never trump your free will. Right. Right. So for our non-Christian listeners right now, when it comes to loneliness, whatever your flavor of loneliness is that you're experiencing right now in your life. And don't act like you're not, you're not, you're human. Right. Okay. Whatever it is, whatever you're hiding in, hiding that loneliness in, maybe you're a workaholic, maybe you're killing it in your business. Maybe you're a great leader at work, but a, a very poor leader at home. There's loneliness there. You're bandaging something. So for all of you, whether you believe in God or not, I could say surrender is the key. It's your way out. It's your solution. Right. You talked about, you know, and we all know this. It's like when you see celebrities that, that take their lives and you're like, why? They had it all. It's like, if there's one thing we all can agree on, no matter our worldview or political view or religious view, you can have it all and be completely still have that hole in your life. So when did you realize when you got to that point that you didn't need to go alone because you got to the end where there was no hope and you wanted to not live anymore. You were in that kind of pain. What spoke to you? Where did it all come together? Where did that spark happen where you were just open to, you know what, there's another way to deal with this rather than just checking out? I think uh, being raised a Christian, suicide was never an option. Okay. Not for real. Yet I had all the thoughts. Sure. Of just ending the pain. Right. Ending the pain. And I did very well at a young age, at 19 years old, made millions and uh, retired at the very (laughs) uh, young age of 24, partied for five years in Scottsdale, Arizona, and wasted away my fortune. While my fortune left, I also watched my friends leave. My girlfriend left, uh, you know, all of it. And I had nothing left and I had no one left. And that was my bottom. And I remember I called my sister, my oldest sister in Tampa, Florida, and I was in Scottsdale and, and I was weeping on the phone and uh, I hadn't cried since I was a little boy. And, and she was like, Joseph, this isn't like you. You're the, the positive guy. You're the personal growth guy, the self-help guy, the leadership guy. Like, what's going on? This is bad. And I was like, I lost everything. Mm-hmm. I got to the top and it was a lie. Mm-hmm. It was empty. Mm-hmm. It was lonely. It was all those things. Now, at this time in my life, I had thrown God out the window and I worshiped the God of money, success, and pleasure. And that God lies to you. So I wept and and my sister said, why don't you move to Tampa and start over? 
come stay with us and the kids and my husband and uh, rebuild your life. Uh-huh. That was humiliating. Humiliating. I was at the top of my game. I had 50 employees. I was leading their lives and their incomes and their families. And it was like, now I'm going to go live in my sister's second bedroom? Like, what? This is how life shows up sometimes right? when we don't focus on what matters most. Right. Well, you break it down. You know, the book of Proverbs goes a lot into friends that are there all around you for the wrong reasons. And yes. you know what? But we don't want to listen to that when we're younger because we're like, oh, no, this is just what we're, we're They love me for me. Yeah, they love. Oh, they, they just get me. And, and uh, you know, and I can be with them. And so, well, I thank you for that. So you had the seed already kind of planted in you that God was an option and God was there to help. It's just you had so much success. You thought you could just do it on your own. Correct. I was the self-made man. Right. And, and, and God I followed... would be for people that needed God to help them make themselves. Correct. That's how I saw it as a young age. And you know what? I grew up in forced religion and you know, my mom and dad are awesome, but they did what they could with what they, they could. Right. My dad was Marine. So as a US Marine, he combined the Catholicism with Marine Corps training. Yes. That's called redundancy. Right. That was brutal. We were like little soldiers and it was more worshiping a tyrannical God who demands perfection and performance rather than a God who asks for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have that. Right. Um, so I threw that whole version of religion out the window at a young age. And I said, I'm just going to go out into the world and get what's mine. Right. And I did. Right. And then realized it wasn't enough. Well, I love your point about whether you have God in your life or not, we're strong, we're tenacious. Whether you believe he made us or not, we got these wonderful brains and, and our bodies are incredibly resilient. You can get pretty far on your own, but the world has a nasty way of biting you. And people, you know, if you're not being wise as a serpents, you know, gentle as does, but wise, boy, you can get in with the wrong group. But I love it when you said a self-made man, because my dad was, was also a self-made man until he found God and realized, wow, who am I going to live my life for? But he would say that. He'd say whenever he'd meet one of these birds in the personal development industry that would say, oh, Charlie, I'm a self-made man. He'd look at him and say, good, that relieves God of that responsibility. You know, and we would just laugh. And it's like, if you think yourself can do the best, okay. And, but there's a humility in that. And, and I just, I thank you for sharing that. That's definitely a beautiful take on loneliness. And I'm thankful that you were open to then reach out to somebody and realize, you don't have to keep doing it alone. I mean, that's the story for the listeners. At any moment that you go, ouch, just hurts, surrender's always an option. I was in the military. I married a Marine, as a matter of fact, a Marine Catholic. So you're st- I feel Wow, like this story. is getting yeah, yeah, personal. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one of the things, you know, um, you got to surrender it. And if any time, that's a beautiful thing. I think a lot of times it's submission or followership or discipleship or, or surrender is like, oh, no, 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 no. And it's, it's the devil loves to get you all puffed up with yourself because that's when he can take a real bite out of you. Can I speak to that for Please. one quick point? There are two types of surrender that I've identified um, in my life and I apply to all my coaching with my clients, as men especially, women as well, powerful women. Uh, surrender is a dirty word. Mm-hmm. It's a dying. It's a weakness. It's a white flag. It's a I lost. It's you lost. It's you're a loser. And none of us want to be a loser in the world. We want to be a success, a self-made individual. So surrender is a very dirty, nasty word in the eyes of the world. 
what that is, is the first type of surrender. It's, I call that physical surrender. It's where you're physically surrendering to a stronger power and submitting. Um, that's not what God calls us to do. The second type of surrender is spiritual surrender. Mm-hmm. It's in the spiritual realm. It's not in the, the physical realm. So spiritual surrender is the dying to self, the dying to ego. It's your egoic self. It's hanging it on a cross next to Jesus, putting it to death and being risen on the next day or the three days later uh, as it, what C.S. Lewis calls a small, a miniature Jesus. But as long as your ego is taking over and running your life and running your own little universe, Y-O-U, your own universe, then there's no room for a God. In fact, there's no room for your wife. There's no room for your kids because your ego is just too big. So you got to die to self if you want to have a meaningful life. It's a spiritual surrender, not a physical surrender. You'll still be there. Your whole body will still be there. But when you let go of this and die spiritually, man, the freedom, right. the peace, the joy, everything you, you're chasing out in the world through in the physical realm that you just can't find, it's right there on the other side of spiritual surrender. It is. And you know, when you see people go through this metamorphosis, you actually see their countenance change. You actually, I mean, um, I don't know, saw a movie a couple of years ago, God's Not Dead, where, where the guy yes. at the end, you know, was trying to, do, on Lee Strobel's book, trying to disprove God. And then finally at the end, you could just see, he was like, his whole face, his demeanor. Oh, the case for Christ. I'm sorry, the case for Christ. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. At the end, when you could just see all the sunny, and I'm like, man, that guy's a good actor because it really looks like he just met Jesus in a relational way. I mean, that's, that's what you see. Now, this guy in the garage, and it's great for the leaders. I love the point about surrender. And for our listeners out there, and, and I'm sure, Joseph, you would echo this, that surrender is a daily process. It's not one and done. You know, it's the old Zig Ziglar. They say motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. Okay. Perfect. That's that surrender. You got to get up every day. And because this is still part of our fallen nature. So every day we got to put that bad boy in his place, you know, and, and just... um Surrender that. But the guy in the garage, and so many people are like that, when you start self-isolating yourself and you work with people, can you share a success story about somebody? Because the other people around them see that they're slowly killing themselves. Perfect. You know what I'm saying? Can you share with me where you see, because you coach people in this, through this, the loneliness, and it's never about the other person. It's something they're carrying around within them. How do you help them unpack that or, or share a success story about something that's come out of that? What I'll do is I have many success stories. I have a 97% success rate with any client that I coach with okay. them getting exactly the result that they showed up wanting, which is a beautiful thing. Again, I don't do the work. I just give them the access. God does all the, the work and the healing. It's a beautiful, amazing thing. That being said, let's wrap up and give a happy ending to that story of the guy in the garage. It sounds like the title of a book. Yeah. Um, could be. Could be your next book. If you're listening right now and you're a version of that guy in the garage, then listen, there's a happy ending for you too. Now, this happy ending is in process currently, right? Because I am coaching his wife, not him. Right. I, d- I don't have access to him, yet I'm okay. seeing the suffering uh, in him. I'm hearing through her. And by the way, that's chipping away at their marriage and obviously impacting her and the success of her business. And she's a seven-figure earner. And I cannot access him because his free will hasn't chosen to coach with me, yes? But his wife, 
has. Now, I believe in the biblical sense of marriage that two separate individuals become one flesh, which means if I'm coaching with her, I am indirectly coaching him because she and he are one, yes, in the spiritual realm. She's like, what do I do? I said, well, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to stop nagging your husband about his alcohol addiction. He's already kicking the crap out of himself. I Mm -hmm. guarantee it. Mm -hmm. He is beating himself down. And that's the very powerlessness that he's feeling is the guilt and the shame. So you want to set him free from that as his wife, as his spouse. Mm -hmm. How do I do it? She says, I said, back off. You, here's the secret for all the wives out there who have stubborn husbands in one area or more. Same for husbands with stubborn wives, yes? The secret is stop nagging on your spouse to fix or change the thing that they're having issue with or feel broken in. It's not going to work. You're only pushing them further away into isolation, into their own garage experience. Stop. It's not working. That's the first thing. You got to get out of that denial that it's, it's, it's going to actually pan out for you. It's not. It's going to get worse and you'll end in a divorce. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with that? Well, you go to his dad, his heavenly father. When, see, when your husband stops listening to you, you go to his father and now bring your nagging to heaven, right? And you beat down the gates of heaven and you say, father, heavenly father, help my husband. He stopped listening to me. He's sick. He's unwell. He's hurting. He's broken. Father, you love him. Heal him and use force if necessary. I, as his wife, give you permission to hit him upside the head with a two by four, if that's what it takes. I love him that much. Hurt him. I'd rather he be hurt than dead. This takes courage. She did it. She surrendered it to God. She stopped nagging her husband and she just accepted him where he was. He'd come into the home. She's like, hi, honey. Right. And, and that was it. Right. And that was shocking for him because she had nothing to say to him about whatever. He came in drunk. That was a shift. Now his attention was like, what's going on? Well, I said, surrender your husband's addiction to God. No more your little control freak trying to control his addiction. Stop. Let it go. Okay. You're playing God in your own marriage. It's not working. Give it to God and then trust God will heal it because you believe he will. He's loving God. So she did it. Boom. It was like our next coaching session. I'm like, how's it going? She goes, Joseph, you'll never guess what happened. I'm like, what? She said, my husband, like he came in one night to the bedroom and he said, honey, I'm done. She's like, okay, done with what? I'm done drinking. I'm done. And she's like, honestly, I couldn't believe him because he said that before. But then he also said, by the way, me moving out into the the garage is like, I now understand how irrational that is. That won't be happening. And she looked at him and I gave her coaching words to say. And and she said, honey, I and the kids are here for you. We're not going anywhere. No matter what you do, you won't push us away. That's God's love to us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, she's like, you can hurt yourself. You can try to hurt us unintentionally. I'm not leaving. They're not leaving. We are 100% right here in the house for you forever. That's it. Let us know when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And that's what God, well, and I'm so glad you said that because, you know, and and our listeners know I was married once a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, was single for a long time. (laughs) But how I got my head wrapped around this is 
I read John Piper's book, I went into the covenant of marriage. And I went in and said, I want to love one person on earth the way Christ loves me or the church. And then I didn't need anybody to complete me. I didn't want anybody to, you know what I'm saying? But when I, when I really did that, and so for all the times, I just, I love that, that whenever we get, my dad used to say that, and I'm like, doesn't upset you what some of the kids do? And he goes, yeah, but then I remember how many times I must have just brought God to tears with everything I did. And it's just a whole different way of looking at it. And so when we got married, I was marrying one of God's sons, and he was marrying a daughter of Christ. And so when you look at it that way, it's just, so thank you for sharing that. Because that's the, that's the only way it happens. That tenderness, nagging never works. Again, Proverbs talks about a nagging wife. <laughs> That was my reference. About a nagging husband. And I'm like, and every time we read a proverb a day, because there's 31 proverbs, every day we read a proverb. And every time my husband reads one of those verses, he repeats it like 10 times. And I'm like, dude, I really try to keep (laughs) the lid on this nagging (laughs) thing. You you could have married a nagger. Let me wrap up one last point in that story. And then let's move on to your next topic. Okay. Uh, My client did something very powerful. Not only did she stop nagging her husband about his addiction and brokenness and how it occurred to her was weakness because she's a type A powerful mm-hmm. executive woman. And she, she stood in the gap for her husband. That's what leadership looks like. He didn't have the strength to do it himself. She stood in the gap for him. That's leadership, right? When you're willing to do that for somebody else. So she, right, a homework assignment I gave her because I give out tough homework assignments. I'm not easy as a coach. And that's why it works. And that's why we get results. But she had to do a forgiveness conversation with her husband. She didn't have to. She chose to. And it looked like, honey, I am truly sorry for how I've been showing up with you through what you're going through. I've been making you wrong about it. I've been nagging you about it. And I just want to say I am truly sorry for any hurt I have caused you or if I've made this any more difficult for you. Mm. Would you be willing to forgive me? And then she stopped talking. And handed her power over to him to either receive that forgiveness and give it back or to reject it. That's what forgiveness looks like, to hand your power over to another. And most leaders do not do this. They say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry I did that. And it's a very dismissive sorry. Mm -hmm. But they forget the final part. Would you be willing to forgive me? Here's my power. Here's my vulnerability. Reject me if you want. I hurt you. I'm willing to put myself at risk now. I love you that much. When she did that, that opened up something in that man that brought back his dignity, Mm -hmm. gave him a little sense of power back as a man so that he could get back up. That's everything. It is. It is. I love it. Well, wow. That's a very different approach on loneliness, but thank you for sharing but it's real. It's, it's a real thing. And okay, so next, Joseph, my dad talked about weariness. And, um, you know, we still have this flesh and we're still um, dealing with issues. Some people have some physical issues. But how do you combat weariness? How do you stay replenished and refreshed so you can run the race and finish strong? I think it goes back to what you said uh, earlier and I contributed to that Carrying the weight of your own personal destiny on your shoulders is exhausting. Being self-reliant is exhausting. Yes, yes. Trying to lead your own life and then come home to a family 
your spouse, your kids who now rely on you as the leader of the home. It's exhausting. You got to have a place to go with it. Mm. You have to have a place to recharge, to replenish. And here's the secret. It's not your strength that's going to do it. So what do I do? Yes. I learned, I used to rely on myself, right? And I used to um, drown it out. The, my coping mechanism was, uh, you know, I would drink occasionally. It never had an addiction in that. But then in my single life, I acted out with women. Um, and I fell into sexual addiction really bad. And I had never been addicted to anything. That was a sign of weakness to me being raised, raised as a, you know, by a Marine. And and God allowed me to experience addiction for the first time so that I can experience what powerless feels, uh, powerlessness feels like mm-hmm. so that I could relate to the people he was going to bring to me and not be a holier than now looking down on them. Just fix it. Just change it. Get out of it. Stop being a weak person. Right. And I got to see you know, that chemical powerlessness. Like There was a chemical thing. I couldn't stop it even when I tried. So where did I take it to? I was set free from my addiction. Mm-hmm. My clients are set free from theirs when they get quiet with God mm-hmm. in the morning. And I'm a tough coach, yo. I do a, a 40-day holy hour challenge. That's holy hour. That means 60 minutes, not 59, not 58, not 52. 60 minutes in silence. Stop talking. Listen. What you have to say to God is not as important as what God has to say to you. Many of us were never taught how to pray correctly. We were taught to show up to God, say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now give me something. Mm-hmm. Bless something. God mm-hmm. sees our heart. God sees our motives. Rather, would you be willing to just show up and spend time with God with nothing in return? Mm-hmm. No ask. See, that's what relationship is. It's, right. uh, I, I, I define relationship as time spent with another. That's it. Time spent with another. Do not say you love your wife if you don't spend time with her. Do not say you love your kids if you spend more time with your work. Correct. You're lying. You're pretending and you're going to have bitter kids. Mm-hmm. So time spent with another, that's how I did it. And I spent an hour a day in silence with God. I gave him two weeks and, and I was an arrogant, in, ver, in a very arrogant place. I said, God, I will show up an hour a day for the next two weeks. If you want to talk, let me know. Otherwise, I'll just sit here bored off my ass, pretty much is what I said. Excuse my term. And I did. And in those two weeks, God slowly put people in my life that opened me up and challenged me and mentored me and taught me spiritual disciplines of how to stop talking to God and start listening to mm-hmm. God. And when I learned that spiritual discipline that any human being can learn, and I now teach in my coaching, God started showing up in an experiential way and healing all the wounded brokenness in my heart from childhood trauma, broken relationships over a lifetime that had now caused me to act out in an addiction. And he healed it all and I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. That will put every therapist on planet earth out of business. I know. See, therapy is good, but it's not complete. It says you can heal you. No, you can't. Right. That's why their business model is perpetual. It keeps you coming back year after year. Clients work with me one time and then they don't need me anymore. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful place, right? Because they learn how to give it to God, how to surrender. So that's how I do it. That's the, the longer, short answer is one hour a day in silence and I surrender whatever struggle I have, whatever thing I don't feel strong enough in, wherever I have self-doubt, wherever I have any human Love struggle, because I do. I just drop them on God's lap and I sit with him and say, God, 
I surrender this to you, Father. Okay. How do, what how do you want me to do? Yeah. And how do you hear, how does, how do you hear it? Now, I know you talked about the confirmation, the God nods where, and I've seen that the minute I'm quiet, it's like trying to catch a butterfly. Just let it land on you. Just let <laughs> grace flow on you. And when I do that, then that starts coming in people showing up, doors opening that I've been trying to kick down. And all of a sudden, just sit back. You know, we all have this lean in and go grab it. Yeah. Lean back and let God do the heavy lifting. How does he speak to you? I know you are modus operandi for you and your coding and your experiences. And this is beautiful surrender. Um, does, do you hear him? Are you uh, meditating? Are you reading the word? Are you just truly being in silence? Well said. Uh, the short answer is when I first started, I was just trying to quiet my mind. And that was a brutal experience Yes, uh, because I had a very active creative mind as an entrepreneur and business leader. And uh, so fighting all the concerns of the yes. world and what I have to do next and the meeting I have later, that was exhausting for two weeks, but I pushed through it and then oh, learned wow. to quiet more, quiet more, quiet more, where I was able to just sit there mm-hmm. with... As thoughts came in, I didn't invite them to come sit down and have a cup of tea with me. If you get my drift, I didn't entertain the thoughts. And that's what's cool about your mind is if you don't, in, if you don't focus on the thought and allow it in, meaning your imagination to go off on that thought, it just passes through your mind like a conveyor belt and it waves and says, Hey, invite me to come talk with you. Invite me, right? And you just nod at it. You know, give it that awkward look like it's an ex-girlfriend or an ex, you know, whatever passing through. And you're like, hey, good to see you. Really don't want to talk to you. Right. right? And, and, and it just goes through on this conveyor belt and the next thought comes in and the next thought. And you just keep doing this until it's a, a thought from God. It's something about your identity. It's something about who he is to you or a revelation about yourself. And, and then you record in a journal everything that you hear, sense, feel, or experience. Mm-hmm. It could be a color. It could be a sound. It could be thought process. It could be a childhood memory. You just record it. You don't try to analyze it. Not during that protected, sacred 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. After the 60 minutes, you go back over and put on your analytical hat and critical and judgmental hat. And then uh, you look through it and what did God say to me? Mm-hmm. That's where you, you kind of think it through and interpret. But during it, you're only receiving and recording, receiving and recording, receiving and recording. That's the secret to it all. It takes practice. It's a new muscle. Those who meditate out there, you're halfway there. Mm-hmm. The problem is uh, you're stopping at nature and not the creator of nature, mm-hmm. right? So go one step past because the creator of nature created you. So if you're searching for your purpose, your meaning, what's going to fulfill you, he and only he has the answers. Go get it. Sit with him in silence. Ask him, Father, what is my identity? What is my purpose? What are my assignments? And then wait and listen and write anything you hear. You'll start to hear more and more as you start to sit with him more and more. Well, thank you for that. And I really wanted to drill into that because as entrepreneurs, Boy, it's tough to even sit there for 15 minutes and have my, day, my morning devotionals without, what about this? And it's like, um, you know, no. I can remember watching my dad pray and he would just say the name Jesus over and over again. And I'm like, I've what done is that. that about? And he would say, because whenever a thought would come in, I would say Jesus. And that literally that him saying it out loud would orient him, stop, keep away. Because we can control our thoughts. We have the mind of Christ. But we have to discipline it. So thank you for sharing that. That's a huge factor and breakthrough. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the one hour too. I need to do Are that. you really? 
Yeah, I have to. The noise right now is exhausting to me, and it's a good exhausting. It's still, not, I'm still kind of, uh, the Holy Spirit's telling me, Trace, you're not spending enough time talking to me. You were spending too much time talking to everybody else, not enough to me. So I got to get realigned. Thank you for that word of um, affirmation, brother. Okay. You're welcome. I acknowledge you for taking on that challenge. That will shift your life. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay. So loneliness, weariness. Now, abandonment. Abandonment also gets kind of a, a bum rap. Uh, like surrender, but abandonment, my father really was talking about true focus on what we ought and need to think about and not what we like and want to think about. So can you talk to me about how do you maintain, because boy, the the devil loves to distract us and get us to uh, mission drift. How do you stay on point, Joseph? Yeah, good question. Uh, Being we're on this theme, let's just stay with this theme of uh, bringing God in. Yeah. The way I do it is I abandon myself back to God's will versus my will. Okay. My will is all my hopes and dreams. And some of them are really good. They're helpful. They don't harm people, right? They're they're beneficial to my life. These are good. These are human. They're not God's best, though. There's a distinction there. I want God's best because it's the only thing that will fulfill me, you, all of us. So I abandon myself or surrender, right? We could interchange those words. Um, I abandon myself to God's will. And God, this opportunity just came up uh, for me to co-author this book with this individual. I'm super excited. I think it's awesome. I want to do it. My old self would say, can you bless it? Because I'm doing it anyway. I'm really just here to get your blessing, not your approval, if I'm being real about it. Wow. My new self my surrendered self is now, Father, as good as that looks, I'm not moving until you say go. Mm. And if I lose it, it wasn't intended. It's not part of your plan for my life. It was just part of my plan for my life. And my plan hasn't really worked out. (laughs) Let's be real. It won't. Right. It hasn't. Right. I see where my plan has gone. It led me to the top and then I crashed and almost wanted to kill myself. That's a terrible road. I don't want to go there again, ever. So God, I trust your plan, even though I can't see it. And I doubt it all the time. I still trust you enough because you're a good father. You're not going to let me down. I know that, right? So there's this constant, you said it earlier, it's a daily surrender. It's a daily abandonment. But I promise you this, once you start learning to surrender every little thing to God, it gets easier. Mm -hmm. It's like, Going to the gym after you haven't gone in 10 years, it's going to suck for a month. Let's be real. There's no way around it. Just suck it up, put on your big girl pants and (laughs) go get it. But then it gets easier Mm -hmm. because you get acclimated, you get trained. So the same thing goes with quieting your mind. It gets easier. The same thing goes with surrendering your will to God's. It gets easier with practice. Everything gets easier with practice. Is that helpful? That's a quote. I love that. And I love that not moving till you say go. I love the blessing versus approval. It's the old, well, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, you know, kind of thing. It's like, no, that's very selfish. That just means you're hell bent, excuse the terminology on going your way. And um, that's not cool. So I love how you, I love how you tease that out. Yeah. If you really want to know if something in your life, an opportunity, an open door is from God, not just from your mind, the way to test it is this. Put it at risk. How do you put it at risk? Meaning Mm -hmm. be willing to lose it and give it up. How do you do that? Well, 
if you want certainty in the matter, that's from God, not just, I think it's from God because it's good. And he, he would stop me if it wasn't. No, you have free will. Right. He'll, He'll let you walk off a cliff. Right. Right. If that's your choice. Right. So the way you test it is, for example, co-authoring a book, right? With a, a top huge brand. I would say, and I call these surrender prayers and I teach them, Father, I surrender to you this book deal or, or partnership. If it is your will, then let this specific thing happen or occur by this date. If it's not your will for me, it's not part of your plan. It's just a really nice thing, but it's not your best for me. Mm -hmm. Then I give you permission to slam that door shut hard and vicious and make it very clear and apparent. I can't even move forward if I want to Mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus. That's a surrender prayer. Mm -hmm. I'm putting at risk. I'm saying, Father, thank you. If this is a gift from you, this opportunity, I'm giving it back to you. If you want me to have it, you do it. If you don't want me to have it because it actually wasn't from you, it's just something I grabbed and I'm pretending it's from you because I want it, then slam that thing closed because I want your will first. That's everything. That, see, that's seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness mm-hmm. first. And when we do that, he gives all those other things to us. Absolutely. I don't worry about money. I don't stress about hardly anything. The only uh, any, anything that looks like stress in my life right now or resemble stress is waiting on God to put me in coach for the big game. Right. That's the only thing that would cause me anything is the waiting because right right now God's building foundation around me because I thought he was building a really nice five-story home, you know, for my life when in fact he's building a skyscraper. Oh my God. And a skyscraper takes much longer to prepare the foundation for. Mm Mm-hmm. And then once I got that, man, I stepped back and stopped fighting him and just let him put in the concrete, let him put in the foundation. I love that. So well, that, that will tie into our next thing, vision, I think. It does, vision. And, and um, let's talk about vision. And I think sometimes vision gets this, well, you got to be like Moses or, you know, the prophets. And my dad always said, vision is really nothing more than seeing what needs to be done and just getting to work. Uh, so uh, what is vision for you? And, and how do you, how do you uh, gain clarity on vision? Yeah, that's good. Mine may be a little different version than a lot of uh, others, uh, even Christians. Like, I like what you do. Like, you saw a need in prison ministry and you took that action. And I'm sure there was a part of you that was somewhat scared of the unknown, mm-hmm. um, especially as a female walking into a prison with men. And, but you did it, right? Because there was a need and you wanted to go serve. And that's leadership is, is serving others, right? Um, I also believe uh, when it comes to leadership, and I'm sidetracking just for a moment, I have a three-word definition for leadership. You go first. You go first. That's leadership in a nutshell, biblically speaking, worldly speaking too. You go first. I've done it in my first businesses where I made millions. That's how I built a team of 50 so quickly. I went first. I went out and showed them how to do it. I did night work with them when they didn't hit their goals. I went out and, and helped them hit their goals, even though I hit mine. I went first. I took arrows. I took hits. If you're a great business leader in, right, you're a great leader at work, but you're not, but you're a poor leader at home, go first. Be the spiritual leader. Go first. Have the forgiveness conversation with that spouse of yours. That's leadership. You take the hits. You right. go first. That's key to everything. Yeah. Um, wow. So that, that's what I want to say there. 
you went first in prison ministry. You showed leadership there. That was awesome, Dr. Tracy. I went first with my podcast, doing a podcast for Protestants and Catholics and, and setting a vision of unifying Christians, unifying Protestants and Catholics, and let's stop fighting each other. We worship the same guy. We just do it differently. And oh my gosh, the enemy has us distracted by fighting each other as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, but not fighting him as he's taking land. He's taking territory mm-hmm. from the church, mm-hmm. from the kingdom. He's hurting our kids. They're being sex trafficked. They're being aborted and killed and slaughtered all over the place. And somehow it's not our problem because our kids are safe in our little suburbia. Mm. That's bull. Mm -hmm. I've seen sex sex trafficking places right here in South Tampa in these massage parlors in affluent South Tampa that got shut down and there was 11-year-old girls working in there that had been kidnapped. Right. And it's like, this is closer than we think. Right. So I digress. Vision. The way I see vision is simply this it goes back to God's will, not mine. I don't have a vision for myself anymore. I don't. And I know no, I that <laughs> that's a contradiction that's so to the world. Isn't that freeing? It really is. Yeah. I say it this way things that move us towards peace are from God, things that move us towards pressure or from us, mm-hmm. or from the enemy. So if you're feeling anxiety, anxiousness, franticness, pressure, you're probably working on something that you came up with. Yeah. But you forgot to see if it aligns with God's right. plan. God's plan is a peaceful thing. That doesn't mean it doesn't require work. Right. By and any means. Yeah. And mistakes. And yeah. And yeah. mistakes and shortcomings. But listen, and there's, betrayals a total, and, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a total difference when... God takes my previous business that it got acquired and he took it with a forceful hand because I said, remove any obstacles in my life that are blocking me from your calling. And he did. Mm-hmm. And, and he took my business and then moved me into what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I have a certainty in what I'm doing now because I know God did it. I love it. You know how much peace comes with certainty? I know. I know. Confidence isn't enough. Right. We all want certainty, don't we? Right. Right. So if you want certainty in your life, set a vision, find out God's vision for your life. Stop chasing yours. You'll have certainty. Confidence only lasts so long. I love it. And that is so beautiful, the certainty. And the other thing is I tell people, because I work with a lot of people, you know, what are you going to do with your life? The best use. But you know, the, the other thing is, if all you do every day is just walk in stride with God and fall deeper in love with him, it doesn't get any better than that. You know what I'm saying? And then everything else gets manifested according to how he wants to bless it based on who you're intersecting with. So yeah, certainty is an absolutely, an absolute beautiful thing. And I love that. Is it, if it's peace, it's from God, pressure, it's from us. Man, holy cow. I mean, look, you could look at any area of your life and clean it up real quick, just asking right. that question, right? right. Well, I love it because we are congruent and you, and you hit on it many times. You cannot be a divided house within your own house. You can't right. have certain areas of your life that you're not going to, um, not going to hand over and think that it's not going to infect everything else and bring you down. I look at people are like, well, that was this part. That was my personal life. And I'm like, fool, you know, you're, I call it. those, I call those bipolar Christians. <laughs> They're living in with a duality. Yeah. Like God on Sunday. And then me. Right the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. Our God is a selfish God. He yeah. wants 100%, not 99. Well, yeah, how would that work in marriage? You're going to be married like Tuesday and Thursday and the rest of the week you're going to be single. Yeah, that, that, that's, not how it, that's not how it floats. Yeah. That's how many of us live though. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we'll, we wrapped up there. Loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Joseph, thank you so much. Holy cow. I've got pages and pages of notes. I love how you put this dialogue together. Thank you for giving us a lot of practical tools too, because I'm a big, I can hear you say it, but if I can't go apply it within like 24 hours, it just evaporates. I mean, I just, that's how I learned. But anything else that we have not touched on leadership wise that you would like to share with our, uh, our listeners? Yes. Again, I define leadership as you go first. As business people, as successful entrepreneurs ourselves, whether you're like some of the guests on my show and you did $250 million last year in your business, or you did 250000 in your business, the same thing holds true. We're all human. We're all broken. We're all wounded. The things of this world will never satisfy. They'll never fill us up with what we're chasing. And there's nothing more important on this planet than relationships. Nothing. I believe on your deathbed, on my deathbed, there is only one thing we're going to be thinking of. And you can read it in every deathbed story ever written. And that is your relationships. It's not the money in your bank account. It's not the houses, the yachts, the helicopters, the jets. It's none of that. Sorry, Grant Cardone. It's none of that. Sorry, Gary Vee. It's none of that. You're going to look back and say, how much time did I spend with my kids? Did I spend enough? Did I spend enough with my spouse? Did I spend enough with God? Am I ready to meet him? Did I heal those hurts in me? Mm. That... How you answer that question on your deathbed will either determine regret or a big smile from ear to ear as you enter heaven. Mm -hmm. That is the great equalizer to every human, regardless of what you do, is the deathbed and looking back on relationships. So why, my friends, as you listen right now, look at your calendar, because if it's not in your calendar, it doesn't exist, right? Right. That's what we do as business people. Mm -hmm. Show me in your calendar time with your wife. Show me in your calendar blocked out protected time with your kids. Show me in your calendar your one hour a day with your creator, your maker. And if you can't, you will end up, my friend, on your deathbed looking back with regret and no more time. Or you can make a decision right here, right now to incorporate into your calendar the relationships that matter most to you so that you, when you get to the end of your life, which could be 20 years from now, or it could be 20 days from now. Mm-hmm. You will have zero regret. See, this is why I coach people on. You want to die with zero regret? I'm your man. Right. right, I'm, right. Your, I'm your guy. I will make sure every relationship in your life, including God and yourself, your whole family, all cleaned up, all cleaned up. You could die tomorrow with zero regret. How do you think you're going to show up in your business now when you got all that cleaned up? I know. Like I know. a powerhouse. How much yes. money do you think you're going to attract? Yes. A ton more than you are right now in this broken state with messy relationships. So people sometimes, well, Joseph, I'm not sure I see the, you know, the, uh, the, the investment ROI and relationship coaching. I'm like, really? Call me on your deathbed, buddy. You will then. Yeah. Right? So, so that's, that's really what I want to say about that. Really get clear that nothing, look at your wife and your kids. Look at your, your dad, your mom. Look at your siblings. They are the goal. Clean it up. Mm. Forgive. Ask for forgiveness. Mm. Get clear there. Then 
go chase some, some dollar signs if you like. Right. Right. I love it. Give grace, get grace. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. So Joseph, where can people stay connected with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, listen, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to offer any one of your listeners or viewers coaching time with me for complimentary. Wow. I'm going to give them one coaching session and I charge a decent amount. So so I'm going to give you one free coaching session with me. Uh, we'll call it a warm-up call. And this will be an opportunity for you to jump on with me and bring, bring me anything, whatever you're going through. Don't be shy. Stop being a was. Come on, show up in your life. Bring it to me. I promise I'll create a safe coaching container with you and we'll keep it confidential and we'll tackle some of those areas in your life that matter. And I'll give you uh, 30 minutes of my time for free. If we have a great conversation, I may go a little longer. At the end of that call though, I'm going to confront you Uh and I'm going to say, did you like what you got today? And if you like what you got, let's move forward. Let's turn this into an official coaching relationship. So think of it. I'm I'm giving you a free sample at Costco. Try -hmm. it before you buy it. Okay. And uh, so you can go get that at josephwarren.net forward slash call, C A L L, josephwarren.net forward slash call. And just go schedule that in my calendar. That will get booked up really quickly. So right. if you want it, go get it. I love it. And then, Joseph, um, thank you so much for that. Can you give me the two podcast names again, too? So our listeners can oh, sure. bounce over there and subscribe to your channels as well. Yes. If you're a business uh, individual, uh, you may enjoy my podcast, Your First 100K. And I interview successful entrepreneurs. How'd you make your first $100,000? That's where I believe 90% of entrepreneurs get stuck, stop, or quit. (gasps) So it's the mental game of entrepreneurship. How do you get through year one, two, and three? Right. Uh, So if that's your jam, go get that. Um, Stitcher, iTunes, all of it. Uh, You can find it there or go to josephwarren.net and see it there. And then Broken Catholic, if you want the faith-based, the spiritual talk, you want to get real about relationships, man, I, I bring on uh, today's top Christian Protestant uh, influencers and Catholic influencers, and we talk about what is God doing in their lives? Mm. What has he done? Where are they resisting? What's next for them? And you're going to get so inspired. And the biggest thing you'll walk away with is a new sense of hope for your situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. And possibly a way out. Well, and I love it. And I love you talk repeatedly throughout this. And I thank you for the time about pruning. And I love the word broken because there are no breakthroughs. There is no boldness without brokenness. It's just part of who we are. And somebody's got to, you know, with love, put us down so they can bring us back up in all our glory. And if you're listening to the show right now, would you share this show of Dr. Tracy Jones, please? Because isn't she an amazing, articulate interviewer? That's a rare gift. Thank you so much. I mean, I feel, I just am so excited at the connections God is bringing, the time. And I got to tell you what, thank you for beating me to the punch. You are phenomenal. And, and for our listeners out there, please subscribe to Tremendous Leadership, to Broken Catholic, and your Force 100K. I'm getting over there and subscribing. I didn't know about the 100K one, so I want to get over there and, and subscribe to that. But Joseph, I want to thank you for your transparency. I want to thank you that the wisdom that you shared with us today, that truth is timeless. And there's a cloud of witnesses clapping their hands up there right now. And this is stuff we're going to be reliving um, throughout all of eternity. So I'm blessed to be on this journey with you, brother. I call it stacking 
stacking crowns in heaven. And I see that's what you're doing. You and I have both wasted our fair share of resources and time. You not as much as me, but for all those people, I tell people I was a prodigal. For all you people out there that want to finally get on the shtick, it's never too late because God redeems time in a mighty way. So um, I spent the first half of my life glorifying Joseph. The rest of my life, I'm going to glorify God and bring his people closer. I love it. Thank you so much. And I am delighted to be in that journey with you. So to our listeners out there, thank you again, Joseph, so much for all your wisdom, brother. You bless me. And I know our our listeners are just going to be are just going to be off the hook with the things that you've encouraged them. And you're a great healer. And that's what we need. Thank you for letting people heal so they can get restored. That's the name of the game. And to our listeners out there, thank you so much for being a part of our tremendous tribe. We couldn't do it without you. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.